This is the Drew Spearience, the show that's 80% combat sports and 20% everything else. To kick off the new year, I've gone off the grid to get a big guest. He's, a news, he's an MMA news analyst for Northern European MMA and Scandinavia, such as Sweden, Norway, Finland, and Denmark. Real big name up in Northern Europe. I got exposed to him, luckily, through uh, kind of a mutual friend, which we'll go into in the show. And uh, he's none other than Reza, or is it Reza from, uh, you say, is it Freya or Freya? How do you say it? Freya MMA. Freya MMA. Reza, welcome and thank you for taking the time to come on, uh, even though there's a six hour difference from Canada and Sweden. That's fine. Thank you for having me. Uh, so yeah, we, we are Freya MMA and most people don't even know my name, which uh, I kind of appreciate that because the platform is the platform and, and I am myself. But today you're going to get me and of course we're going to speak a bit about Freya MMA as well. Of course, so yeah. You. Yeah, no problem. Well, look, I really love how you do it. Like, you don't call your followers followers. Like, you go by the saying, if you want to go far, go together. And I think that's what's really made your show really popular in uh, the Northern European scene. Because um, I, I kind of find, you know, because I'm a history major and I also like geography too. I find mm -hmm. there's like this collectivist attitude in Northern Europe where everyone just works together. Like, they find a way to work together regardless. It seems like it, and especially in the in the mixed martial arts community. I mean, everyone seems to be pushing each other around these ends, at least in, in Scandinavia. Um, I'm originally from the UK, where it can be a bit of a like a bit of a battle scene over there. There is so many gyms and things like that. But moving over to to Sweden in 2012, I really felt like the MMA scene here is is quite rumbling here it's low level rumbling but there's a lot of a lot of possibilities here and big names that still haven't kind of hit outside of europe or outside of scandinavia so my my platform that i created is to push these fighters to to get to the big to the big time we really have to because when you think of scandinavia in combat sports you look at dolph lundgren from from rocky four you know he's got a kyokushin karate background like i do you think of alexander gustafson you know former title contender and then they're like it's like oh well who else is there and then maybe now it's like if you're a real mma fan you know of marquan our Amir Khani. Yeah. That, yeah, it's <laughs> I can't pronounce names this morning. So if uh, so for any pros, professionals that have been on Freya MMA and you hear this, if I butcher the names, I'm sorry. It's just it's 9 a.m. in Canada, so I'm caffeinated, but I'm not as caffeinated as Reza is. Like Reza is on point today, but uh, always, yeah, I've got to be always on point. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you kind of sound like Dan Hardy. I'd like to say, like the way you talk, you come off, and that's a compliment. So uh, yeah, I'm t I'll take that as a compliment. I'll take that as a compliment. I love how he breaks stuff down. So when you, so you, you know, it's funny. You said Sweden. You came to Sweden in 2012. You know, mm -hmm. MMA was still kind of seen because of Gustafsson. It was known. But it was still kind of in like that. Remember what happened with Zufa in the early days where it was still kind of like people were kind of like shying away from it because they didn't know like what was going on. It kind of felt like Sweden was kind of in that chapter of mixed martial arts in Sweden because the other sports in Sweden are hawk, ice hockey, soccer. Uh, it's a winter sport country, you know, like I'm from Canada and hockey is like it's like every like right now today like sweden's playing with their world junior team and mm -hmm. so they have a very rich hockey history and we consider sweden like our 
northern cousin in hockey. But I mean, combat sports, it's as you said, it's rumbling. And what do you think has led to that? Well, through the history, I know you're a history guy, but through the history, we'll see that um, combat sports has not been quite legal in, in, in Scandinavia for, for so long. I mean, I think it's uh, was still coming at Norway is not allowed to do boxing events and Iceland, there is no combat sports at all. So I think it was just, just a thing of we were starting a bit later than the rest of Europe. Uh, but due to the events of UFC coming to Stockholm and things like that, it really has been growing and growing. And I really do think now if you ask everyone in, in, in the nation who Alexander Gustafsson is, they could give you an answer. So uh, I really do think it's, it's that it's, it's putting it out there and pushing the brand. Uh, plus we do have the small towns that do have their own MMA gyms now. So I think that is also helping. So it's not all all-stars and uh, Alexander Gustafsson here anymore. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, up-and-comers that are coming. You were telling me about one guy that's going to Cage Warriors, and I think the mm -hmm. path is, the path to get to the big promotions, whether it's One FC, the Bellators, the UFCs, go through Cage Warriors, and you know that's kind of your path. Like Conor McGregor, some guy named Conor McGregor. I'm gonna quote you because mm -hmm. I used, I gave Ooh. the names of who went there. And I'm like, <laughs> some guy named Conor McGregor. I mean, I don't who knows some. He must be some random guy. I and mean, I'm just kidding. The yeah, double I think, champ. I think everyone's heard of him. Uh, yeah. Maybe. Maybe even my mom who's like 65 is like uh, heard of him. She's like, she's like Conor McGregor. She's like, isn't that that guy that's fighting that Floyd Mayweather guy? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and then she's like, and she's like, I don't think. And my mom knows nothing about mixed martial arts, but she's like, mm. I hear him. She's like, I hear him talk. And I think he has a shot against Floyd. Now this was again in 2017. So my mom knows like, she doesn't know anything, but she likes Conor, even though she doesn't know him. Um, there's also Michael Bisping, Anderson mm -hmm. Silva, Vitor Belfort. There's like so many names that came out of Cage Warriors. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it is like the, the European pathway to the UFC, like you're saying. Uh, of course, there are other events and other promotions. Uh, we have Superior Challenge here in Sweden, which uh, has pushed the, the likes of uh, Pani Kjansad, Alexander Gustafsson, uh, Magnus Sedenblad and, and people like that. But I really do think right now it is Cage Warriors, which is the way. Definitely, most definitely, because just look at the alumni that have come out there too, even Bisping, I forgot I was about to mention, you know, first uh, British cha European champion in mixed martial arts and um, one of the ambassadors for European MMA. I mean, we could also say Gus, if, if Gus was in an alternative universe where there's no John Jones, no Daniel Cormier, I think he'd be a champion and I think he would be um, one of the ambassadors for uh, Northern MMA. And now we have a guy that maybe not everyone knows the name of, but Hamza Chumayev that is coming out of, out, out of Stockholm, Sweden. Everyone's looking at him to be now the new next champ. So, Are, are there a lot of uh, Chechens and Dagestanis that have immigrated to Sweden? Because Hamza, like... His story is he's Swedish, but he does, he's of uh, Chechen descent. And I'm noticing a lot of these Chechens, like whether they come from out of directly Russia, but a lot of them like Kamzat have Swedish passports. Yeah, so uh, I think it was a, a, a mass immigration to Sweden from places like Iran, Afghanistan, uh, Chechnya, or the Russian kind of uh, parts, shall I say. Um, and a lot from Yugoslavia or the former Yugoslavia as well. So, yeah, there is a lot of uh, ethnic groups in Sweden that are now calling Sweden home.
like myself, I guess. Yeah, you're, you're, you're an interest. Yeah, you said you were born in the UK and uh, you moved over to Sweden in 2012. And yeah, it's, uh, and like, uh, you know, I'd definitely love to visit Sweden. I think we all know why every guy wants to go there to, uh, mm-hmm. they all, we all love, we love Scandinavian women. It's one of the fine beauties of other than, well, look, I don't, I don't want to general, it's, uh, let, let's be honest, Scandinavia's got a rich sports history, a rich winter history. Definitely would love to see the winter, but I'm not going to lie. If, uh, if I ended up with the Scandinavian woman, it's pretty good, I have to say. It's a nice uh, feather in my cap. Yeah, I, I did speak to you uh, privately and said I do have the best of both worlds because my, my wife is, is Swedish and uh, Latina as well, so she, she's mixed. So that's one of the one of the reasons that I came over here as well. You, there's a lot of get this. There's a lot of Iranians mixed with Swedish too that I've noticed. Like Mika Zabinajad, an NHL star in uh, who plays for the New York Rangers. His dad is Iranian, and his mother. Well, his mom is. It's weird. His mom was like born in Finland, but mm-hmm. she considers herself Swedish. So I. But then again, Swedes and Finns they're kind of cousins, even though it's a different language completely and a kind of a different culture. But. That's one. Um, I'm sorry for any any follower of mine that got offended by that, but uh, yeah, sure, go on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't be offended. We lo- I love Scandinavian culture. I love the I love the history. As mentioned, I've looked at Norse mythology and ice hockey. Like I can name hockey players off like Sweden, like who are champions. But uh, very rich history. Uh, lovely people though too. Like I've met a few Scandinavians. Like when I trained in Kyokushin, they are like they are the most ha- they're the most happy go lucky people. I don't know what that is. What do you think that mm-hmm. why that how is it that Scandinavians are like so happy go lucky being in the northern cold? Hmm. I don't know. Like I mean, when I came over here, I guess I did see a different way of life. I mean, you'll see ninety-year-olds cycling on the streets, and that's not really a uh, I think that you will see down in the UK or at least in London for sure. I mean, I, I think it is just a thing of, you know, they're, they're breathing in a different air. They, they are, they're loving life. They're, they're thriving on life. And maybe they are highly caffeinated as well. Like, like we are right now. So um, what, what's the diet like over there for you guys? Like, cause like you said, 90 year olds riding cyclists and there's a few, quite a few centaurians that like are very sharp witted still that can do stuff and they can move around. So what's like the diet like mainly over there for nutrition? Um, I guess there's a lot of local produce. I think that's, that is probably what, what is doing the, the, the real health thing here. I mean, not many people like to buy meat from other countries. They most likely like would like to buy, uh, local produce, um, a lot of fish, obviously, with Scandinavian, and uh, I, I think it is just a thing of exercise. That makes sense. Yes, and they always have winter sports. They have the summer sports. They have the fall. To also best of both worlds. I mean, it's kind of the same in Canada, but when it hits winter here, it's like a different kind of cold. It's like we're dropping a million f bombs on mm. in our cars when we try to put the heater on it it's like that's that's what it's like especially in quebec where they speak french so it's all the there's all the french swearing when it's really cold or like right now we're getting snow today as we speak outside my window we're expected about 10 centimeters and uh it's it's definitely as mentioned i love the one thing i know about finland and sweden they love canadians so when i go there i have to definitely wear something canada so they know that a hockey top maybe yes i'm gonna buy uh gotta buy a team canada t-shirt or something and then that way i'll wear it around so they're like okay we know he's not american so yeah i mean recently here we were supposed to have snow i mean it's the winter but it's been it's been quite a warm one uh 
we've had a few spells of snow, but nothing that's really stayed. But uh, I, I guess I'm not really sure how it is in Canada, but over here, our winters are dark. And I think for around a month now, or at least in October, there was no November, sorry, no sun for a month. Like it, nothing coming through the clouds, complete darkness. It goes dark at 4 p.m. in Canada. Like in winter, it's 4 p.m. It goes dark. And then, yeah, it's, it's kind of similar, but it's not as... I think it's because we're not as north, like, because you guys are on, like, the mm -hmm. Arctic Circle, basically, mm -hmm. so that's why. Have you ever been to Finland, by the way? Uh, not yet. Uh, I travel a lot in my work, and there has been opportunities to go, but I've not yet been to Finland. But I have worked in the Arctic Circle, so, like, one of the, one of the most northern cities in, in Sweden. I was there in, in one December, and then the next December, I flew to the Caribbean to work there. So a bit of a difference in temperatures. That's awesome. And uh, so what got you into starting Freya MMA exactly? Like what was the, how did that happen? So I'll start at the beginning, which I guess is the beginning of me. So <laughs> when I was younger, I, I was always a, a fan in, I guess you would call it professional wrestling, but like the old WWF, WCW kind of days, uh, just for the kind of ideology of like who is best in physical competing that is not you know hitting a ball or a puck or anything like that um, and then yeah through, through, through the childhood obviously I found out that it was not as real as my mind conceived it I don't want to give away any spoilers to, to those that may still be um, big, big fans of it I don't want to offend anyone but then there was a dark point where I was kind of looking for my next niche kind of thing to follow. And then I came across uh, the Ultimate Fighter, which around this time, it was also um, the time of, you know, Big Brother and things were kind of getting quite, quite big. So it was a reality TV show, plus there was actual combat in it. So then from that, I, I can't remember what the year it was. I, I think it might have even been one of the first Ultimate Fighters. Uh, so then from that, the ball started rolling of me starting to watch almost every UFC event. Obviously, we're in Europe. It's a bit hard. Um, so then starting to love and really analyze MMA, because that's what I like to do when I, when I have an interest in something. I just go straight into it. I me too. dive headfirst in, into everything. So that's why I, I was analyzing a lot of movements, a lot of combos. And in my mind, I would think what does work, what doesn't work. Uh, met my now wife, memories in London, and decided that there is better opportunities to move to Sweden. Then I heard about the, I would say underground, but the, 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 the local Swedish events, so the amateur events and the amateur teams and everything, found about, out about that and decided that they weren't getting enough coverage. Uh, in Sweden, in Europe, and worldwide, I mean... The, the IMF championships should be a big thing. It's, it's an amateur MMA world championships. Uh, so I decided to start a platform for uh, what I guess some would call the voiceless in MMA and treated them exactly like I would treat the pros. I mean, if you look at my, my YouTube channel, one week I'll have a, a top, featherweight in Arnold Allen in the UFC and then the next week I'll have an amateur Swedish fighter I mean 
I feel like anyone that puts in the dedication and the work to become a top athlete should have their word spread and their name spread and, and the success that should be coming to them. So it was a thing of one of Buzzable being different to all of the other MMA websites. Um, and again, like I said, I, I want to push the platform and not myself. I, I'm not going to be the next Ariel Hawani or, or, or the next uh, Luke Brett Thomas. Okamoto. Yeah, I'm not really putting my face out there. I mean, if I could do the podcast and not show my face and just have the fire talking, I would. But um, a lot of them do need that bit of push to get, like, get to know them. So most of all for MMA, but I, I guess, like I said, in this podcast, you're talking to me. So you got me. Exactly. No, I totally get it. And it's, it's understandable. I'm kind of the same way too. I don't know if you know of the journalist named uh, James Lynch from the score MMA. Mm -hmm. He's uh, he's, and he's, he gave me the best advice, which you just basically you put in practice is interview the amateurs. You're not going to get the stars right away. If you try to interview the stars right away, you're going to get a million no's. You're going to give up. You have to build up because when those amateurs become the pros, they're going to remember you and then they're going to refer you. They'll be like, hey, you know what? And let's say they know a fighter that you want to get on. They're, they might have a relation to them through an agent or something and the agent could remember you. So it's a whole mm -hmm. like chain of events that, that compound. It's like so you, you really want to build it properly, which you're doing. And you know, shout out to that, like, you know, giving amateurs like the, the, the platform they seek and then, you know, having a pro next week and it must make you, it must make, it must make them feel like the promotions feel like, like they can welcome you in with open arms. And they're like, you know mm -hmm. what, Freya MMA is here. Hey, this is the guy you should interview. Hey, this is the guy that's coming up. He's about to do this and whatnot. Yeah. So it must be really fun. Like do, doing, giving them a shot and then realizing how rewarding it is. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm, I like to come to, to fighters, uh, promoters, management companies with, with complete honesty. So, you know, some fighters have come to me and told me about fights, but have been like, you can't release it though, which I think the other media sources might just to get that exclusive kind of thing and get the followers. But we are 100% organic. We, of course, we put money into the, into the platform to make it, uh, you know, a bit more high quality. We, we buy mics, we buy cameras, we buy, you know, things like that. But we're, we're never out there buying followers to, to get like the other people to, to, to come on to our show kind of thing. So we always say, you know, our interviews are going to be straight up freestyled. We don't have a script to go off of. We don't have anything like that. And I mean, I think that kind of comes with a little bit of, it makes a little bit of respect in the fighters and the promoters and the managers themselves. Yeah, you're, I really appreciate what you're doing because I see the similarities with you and James because some journalists, when you like try to talk to them, they'll be like, okay, well, I'll be like, can I, can you kind of help me get access to this fighter? And they'll be like, no, I don't want, it's like you're trying to take away and it's like, guys, there's enough success to go around. Like for example, the fighter that I've wanted to get on my show so badly it's going to happen one day. It's a pipe. It's a, it's a goal is Gegard Musasi and James Lynch could have said, no, I don't want, I'm not going to help you. But James gave me the tips of like what to do. And he's like, Hey, he's like, you want Gegard? He's like, you want a legend like Gegard on your show? Here's what you're going to do. He's like, here's the tips I'm going to give you, whether you do it or not, that's your call. He's like, but he's like, I see you're going to get him on eventually. You just, it might take longer. And it's like, even with you, like, you know, like when I, when we first spoke, like I said, Hey, I said, I said, um, 
I really like that interview with Jack Hermanson and uh, I just want people to know like it's because of you that like I was able to connect with uh, Hermanson's team. So I really appreciate that. And it's like, it's like, and that's what I love about this game. Like the, like there's some journal, there's a lot of journalists that like not journalists, but I see you more as like a guy that just is passionate about the sport. So I want to be careful with my wording, but you know, you're the kind of guy that, lives in abundance where it's like there's enough to go around for everybody and it's like i'm not going to withhold you from having a guest like if someone told me and said uh, my first professional guest i had on my last show called beyond the fight before i changed mm -hmm. rebranded was john fitch and people were like can i get how do i get access to john fitch and i said here's his twitter here's his instagram comment have him message you mm -hmm. and i'm he's gonna make the time like i i don't it, it's it's it benefits me more to give the information because it's like it's like I have it's like I'm not um, this is not my job like I'm uh, my day job is I work in a in telecom and you know this is just a hobby and if it gets bigger like you know what you're doing then great you know but uh, it's like mm -hmm. you you know I'm not I'm not here to be the next Ariel Helwani I'm not here to be the next Brett Okamoto or Luke Thomas this is a Drew experience this is Freya MMA you know we do our own thing mm -hmm. basically yeah and like uh, I'm glad to hear that I'm helped you in some way because like you're saying, all that my goal is, is to grow the sport. So if Jack Hermanson comes onto your show and gets between two or 2000 new followers from, from Canada, then I guess I've done my due diligence and, and helped in some way. And that, yeah. that's all I'm re really looking to do. And uh, yeah, for, for me, like we, when me and my wife kind of started to make for MMA, we kind of come up with the slogan of um, it's not a hobby, it's a lifestyle because that, that's exactly what it is for, for the amateur fighters, for the, I guess for the pro fighters, it's now a job or a career, but you know, the amateur fighters, they're not getting paid or anything, but it's not exactly a hobby because they're putting everything into it. So I feel like I could also put everything into, into them as well. And if you are uh, looking to portray this, then I'm also going to put everything into helping you as well. So that's just the kind of guy I am. Yeah, it's, it's, that's how I am too. Like, you know, it's like, I just like talking to people. Like, and you know, like when I, first, when I, when I scored my interview of Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, that's when I said, I can do this. Because mm -hmm. what I did was um, I basically called the gym, like I cold called the gym because I used to work in phone sales. I used to work in uh, tele telemarketing. So you mm -hmm. pick, you take those skills. Uh, so shout out to my old uh, mentor uh, Matt, who uh, really taught me how to be a good salesman. Um, I hope to get you on soon, Maddie. But uh, yeah, because I want you to know, like this is uh, how I got one of my guests. So the story was I got. Anyways, I digress. I just like giving shout outs to people because, like you know, I, I live in abundance. You know, so yeah. I call the gym. <laughs> And someone picks up and it, it was a, I thought it was the receptionist or one of the trainers. And it turns out it was uh, Mrs. Thompson. So we started mm -hmm. talking her and I, and then she's like, and I told, I was very honest. I said, look, this is what I want to do. I want to help promote upstate karate. I'm a big fan. I love what you guys do with the community. I get a call from Steven's coach after. So Ray said, do you want me to come on? And he's like, I said, why don't we bring everybody on? And he's like, okay, I'll bring on my, I'll bring on Steven and Evan. So we had a three way audio call to record it. And it was one of the best podcasts I've ever done just to like do it. And you know, that's what I love about the sport. Cause if you look at other sports like hockey, soccer, they don't, they don't make the time for you. They like, they're in their own world. There is a lot of mm -hmm. uh, prima Donnaism, a lot of egos, but in MMA, cause it's so humble. Cause fighting is just so different. 
whether it's the amateurs or pros, they're going to make time for you. Like there's Hermanson, mm-hmm. then Nick Dalby recently is like, it's going to come on soon, but he's just been very busy. But Dalby's another one. Like I, it's, I just love the fighters. Like th- this is my, it's a lifestyle for me too. Like I do martial arts and I live by that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, w- when we first started, we, we were just doing like written interviews, like articles kind of thing. And I think Dalby was one of the first ones as well. That was also like, you know, yeah, let's do it. Fuck it, kind of thing. Oh, am I allowed to swear? Yeah, of uh, course. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, he was like, yeah, fuck it, let's do it. So then we kind of wrote an article with him and everything. So, uh, and I guess when they start becoming, I guess we could say more successful, and then they start getting managers involved, that's when it could start getting a bit more cloudy. I mean, uh, I've heard the stories on how to get a, a interview with that guy, Conor McGregor, or whatever his name is. <laughs> I mean, uh, apparently you've got to go through this whole system of, of, you know, going through the management and then going through the clubs and things like that. So, like, we're not going to push too hard to, to to get one person. It's more of the thing of, hey, we're an open platform. Of course, we will ask the people that have upcoming fights and everything. But if you're a fighter out there that wants to um, let out a message to a broader, like, horizon, then contact us or contact you both ways exactly. it works exactly no it's very interesting because um a lot of people come into this they want to get the stars as we were mentioning connor the izzy's the john jones the george st pierre's like my first show because i do kyokushin and uh, like i had some friends that train with george like some people are like when you're getting george on you can do it. it's like guys it's like stop putting pressure on me it's mm-hmm. like I'll, I'll get him when i get him so just uh until then it's like just shut it's like just like you know dave you ever watched the dave Chappelle skit where he's doing where he's playing uh what if there was at the time a, a black president like and he mm-hmm. goes in the microphones he's like shut the fuck up I'm like just like when they people start asking me for specific guests when they're coming on i'm just like shut the fuck up like i don't yeah. want to be bothered it's like when it yeah. happens it happens and, and then we also have the people that's like you know hasn't fought in like 10 years and then they're like oh we see that you have that memory podcast I, I used to be a fighter and it's like, yeah, but like, let, let's, let's create something. Let's bring something out from this rather than just kind of going on the show and be like, Hey, my name is, and then there, there's nothing really there. So I, I guess the, the rapport has to be, has to be right. You know what I mean? It really does. It really does. Like, um, for example, uh, one of my, uh, like now, like I'm getting, uh, like I'm planning to get on, uh, do you know of the Middle Eastern promotion? uh uae warriors mm-hmm. so the recent champion in the bantamweight uh xavier alui he's from montreal like i've like i've hosted him on my last show too amazing stand-up guy like those are the guys i want to give attention to like the up-and-comers like yes they're pros but it's in the smaller promotions to build their name like these are the or the amateurs like the ones that only have like say maybe a thousand fans watching maybe three thousand fans in attendance and you know the paychecks aren't great but you know these are like belts that will help get you into the promotion like look at Hermanson; he got into the ufc from winning cage raid cage warriors too right he's another mm-hmm. champion yeah. yeah exactly i mean uh there are there are these european shows that uh, especially in sweden i've been trying to talk to promoters and saying do everything in english so that you will get that kind of broad uh, spectators kind of thing you know you want the fans from other countries to be watching your shows so uh last year superior challenge had had their show which is now they have started doing the option that you can get english commentators and and things like that and it, 
the main event of that fight between Tobias Harila and Adam Westland, man, everyone should watch that fight. That that is up there with like top UFC fights. So th- that's the kind of thing that I'm hoping that uh, even though we are Swedish or we, they are a Swedish promotion, that it does get out there to to the broad spectrum. And Tobias Riller is is the guy that is actually now signed to Cage Warriors and Adam Westland. I hope something will be coming up from, with him soon because he, he is a talent with a lot of heart as well. Yeah, it's uh, and that's the thing. Like fighting is fighting. There's no like whether it's Swedish or English. You want the commentary to be in your language of choice, so you understand what's being said. But the the sport is global. Like sometimes I like mm-hmm. to even say like this is the most global sport more than soccer because you have women men and women competing on the same in the same cage. It doesn't discriminate. It's, it's about who has better skill and who shows up ready to compete and uh, who's more disciplined. Yeah, and I mean. Uh... Also, when we was building the the platform, we was thinking of names because everyone kind of comes to us and it's like, why Freya MMA? I mean, a lot of fighters I speak to first think I'm a woman because we come up Freya MMA kind of thing. But uh, you you are a fan of Norse mythology and that, that's exactly where it comes from. I mean, uh, when people think of Freya here, obviously they think of a goddess that's to do with love and everything. But if you look deeper into that, and this is the kind of feeling that I have with uh, mixed martial arts, and that is that uh, Freya is the, the goddess of love and passion and war, should I say, as well. But it's, she was also married to madness, the god of madness. So like what I think of you know, mixed martial arts, it can be madness sometimes, but there is, there is passion going into it. So it, it was with that kind of ideology that I kind of come up with the name as well. Very genius, like better than my idea. Like me, like it's like my other show I had was it was called Beyond the Fight, but then I kept mm-hmm. having like the same discipline on because like I'm a karate. My background is full contact karate, aka Kyokushin, and it was great. I loved the guests, but it was just kind of the same thing. It became autonomous and repetitive, and then I said, okay, I need something different. So that's why I came up with the Drew Spear. It's kind of like the Joe Rogan experience, but I got in mm-hmm. uh, like there was like one of the episodes where they said do a podcast with your name because no one can take your name away from you. So that's why I got the Drew experience. And mm-hmm. it was a um, street fighter two logo. Cause you think of it, we're all born in either the late eighties or the early nineties. That's my gener, that's our generation. And when you mm-hmm. think of fighting, it's either, it's not Tekken, like Tekken came out more in the nineties. It's street fighter two. It's the iconic Hadouken. Ryu Everyone Ken. recognizes it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what, that's what went into it. And, uh, yeah, it's like uh, the goal is to like get like it's just to talk to everybody. Like, and I said, it's eighty percent combat sports, but twenty percent could be like a history guest, or I might have maybe mm-hmm. maybe when times are calmer a political guest. But for now, it's like I kind of like just want to keep it very civil because you know I don't I don't I don't want to cause division. I get, there's life is too short to be divided. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, life and mentality is also a big factor in our podcast as well. I mean not only the mentality of going into a fight, but the mentality of, of uh, the situations that we're in today. I mean, we're not exactly in the, in the lightest of times, but it is what it is. What's it like in Sweden right now? Cause in Canada, we're kind of in another lockdown again, especially in Quebec where it's like the hardest hit province of COVID. So I know Sweden was kind of like not doing anything at first. They kind of just said, okay, well, let, we'll kind of just do herd immunity. But what's mm-hmm. going on now? Because I heard like the, it's it's night kind of night and day over there. So I guess I could maybe count myself as blessed because in Sweden, 
they can't do any restrictions because that is actually a a like it goes against our freedom our rights of freedom so they can't actually give us any lockdown it's it's not possible it's not politically correct or anything like that so they've come out with recommendations that people are taking um i guess it is a little bit quieter but it's not really anything that is that has hit us hard enough to um bring our mental state lower like it has in for example london they are in like tier four right now so there's a lot of mess london is a mess like we hear it in the news because you think of it we're kind of commonwealth cousins because canada britain so we get the news Mm -hmm. from the uk and it's like it's like it's like canada's bad but it's like the uk they were they're going they're saying one thing and then they do another then they do another Mm -hmm. and then do go off the rails confusing it gets so confusing so So, like is your is your family still there yeah uh my side of the family is still all in the uk um i'm hoping i'll go and see them as soon as this kind of stuff calms down um but yeah everyone's kind of okay i have a few of my relative that is working in in the health service there the nhs so shout out to them and keep doing a good job yeah yeah so let me ask you this because i know we all love martial arts and you know we love combat sports and we were and before we were recording we were talking about cobra kai i'm not Mm going to spoil it for anyone who knows season three came out but uh, are you a marvel fan too like have you watched a series such as daredevil punisher luke cage defenders i've kind of dabbled in them a bit uh you know i've probably gone through the the marvel cinematic uh movies and everything like that but uh with, with with TV shows, I, I guess I don't really have so much time divided with with my home life, uh, my work life, and then my MMA life. So, but Cobra Kai, yeah, I mean, I, I'm gonna watch through that one. I'm, I'm usually a bit late when jumping into shows. I mean, yeah, me too. I, th- I think I, I just watched. Um, I forgot which one it was. I, I watched a recent, or not a recent. I watched a series all the way through recently that had come out years ago that everyone was kind of hyped upon. Like I still haven't seen Game of Thrones, so I like you. You're my you're my new best friend. I mean, I I, I love Game of Thrones too, but I love hearing people like say like you say. I never watched it yet, and everyone like shames them. And it's like, dude, I don't shame you. I applaud you. Like you are you are a hero. You are a mythical f- he- Norse hero. <laughs> I mean, ask me if I if I watched uh, if I'm up to date with all the MMA shows. I'll be like, yeah, but uh, you know, ask me if I've seen The Sopranos. I'd be like, no, uh, not yet. I understand. One of the best documentaries. I don't know if you saw it. Was the ESPN 30 for 30 Chuck and Tito? And this is something I really want to talk to you about. Like we didn't talk about this, but I'm really tired of people like looking at Habib and Connor and you know John and then like maybe early George. I'm not taking anything away from them. But if you really want to understand the sport, you have to look at the old days. Like mm-hmm. I like, for example, like you have to watch the old Zufa shows. Get yourself a Fight Pass membership. If you say you don't have money, well, look at what you're spending on. And if you're an MMA fan, make a cutback in one thing and go look at the fight encyclopedia. I want people to really understand before Connor, before Khabib, before DC and John Jones, there was Chuck Liddell and tito ortiz and i sound like Mm -hmm. a dead horse beating this but you know your mma too and do you remember like how important do you think these days those those that period is to understand where the sport is now well i guess uh if anyone is pro wrestling fans i guess it was the attitude era oh oh, there we go mic bump the attitude era of that time so uh it it kind of brought the sport 
into the the showbiz and the spectacle of what it is today. I mean, press conferences before that were dull. Was there even like uh, press conferences before that? But then you have a, a talker like Tito Ortiz and then just a straight up killer like Chuck Liddell. It, it, it is those times that, uh, you know, you should see that is when UFC started. Before that, it was the ultimate fighter. Do you know what I mean? That's it. Yeah, because it, it was under the SCG Bob Meyerowitz era where hmm. it was the ultimate fighter. But then Zufa came in and then the story is like Frank Fertitta or Lorenzo looked at the thing UFC. And that's what, mm-hmm. and like it was their first show on February 28th of 2001, where Tito fought Evan Tanner. But nothing is better. There's two thing, iconic moments of that era when Tito went on the best damn sports show, as it was known as back in the day. And he's mm-hmm. like, and it was him and Ken on separate screens. And Tito's like, you see this? This is the MGM Grand up here, up here on like some random floor. No one gives a, no one gives a shit is, to, is Ken Shamrock's room. Up mine is the penthouse. So after I beat Ken Shamrock, if you want to come up, this is where I'm going to be because I'm going to make Ken Shamrock my bitch. And then you have Ken Shamrock, like with his intro, like his intro was like he, he had, it's just him repeating Tito Ortiz as a punk and going off on him. Like that was the best rivalry of that era. And I firmly believe that those two, whether you know it or not, Ken Shamrock and Tito Ortiz saved the UFC because remember, it was on the brink and Mm -hmm. John and Bruce Buffer and John McCarthy said UFC 40 had to succeed. They said, if it didn't succeed, the sport would be, it'd be into in the, on the history channel one day. And, and that was the first one where they got the hundred K pay-per-view buys. Chuck Liddell fought a a dangerous Babalu Sabral on short notice just to be a backup fighter. And Mm -hmm. nothing is more iconic when he does that iconic, like, and he's going around the camera just yelling i want my fucking belt give me my fucking belt chucker he's like tito excuse tito or ken i don't give a fuck who it is i'm gonna i'm getting that belt and it's iconic like i think that ufc 40 is the most other than ufc 205 and 100 i think 40 deserves it has to be up there as the top three most iconic maybe we can uh put our mindsets together and come up with a list of the 10 UFC bouts that you have to watch to understand the UFC. The history. Yeah. Yeah. That, that I think we should do. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, you know, Forrest Griffin versus uh, Bonner will be on that. And, it has you know, to, that has th- to. Th- those kind of fights that did build what we have today. So I also would say as well, um, the say what you want about Brock Lesnar by UFC 100 because it was the centennial and just mm-hmm. can you believe George St. Pierre fought in a co-main event that's like the one of the only times he's ever fought in a co-main as that's actually the only time he fought on a co-main as a champion because mm-hmm. and you look at that UFC 100 card you had so many future champions Michael Bisping Dan Henderson George Brock Frank Mir some guy named John Jones coming up fighting uh, <laughs> Yeah, John Bones Jones. You ever heard of him? Uh, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Is that the heavyweight or <laughs> light now heavyweight, but light heavyweight yeah, yeah. type? Yeah. No. But no, that UFC 100 card too is one of my favorites, especially when Brock just pummels Mir and then he just goes up like an angry pit bull to the cage, starts bashing it like drooling with this thing. It's it's iconic. Is that the one where if you watch back the interview, it's completely different to what it was? Yeah. Is that the he one said- where? He- He's yeah, like, Coors Light, like, I'm drinking fuck, a... Yeah, fuck Bud Light. Fuck Bud Light, because Coors Light isn't... 
puts because like one of them isn't paying me enough and then he was yeah. like frank Mir has a horseshoe up his ass and mm-hmm. i took that sob out and i struck i don't know i stuck him with the head with it and then they're yeah, like yeah. what are you doing now and he's like i'm gonna go home he's like i'm gonna get on top of my wife and it was like and they, they he got into a lot of trouble after that but you know mm-hmm. what it got eyes on the sport yes yeah, it's, it's the same like you know I, i'm not really a fan of of, of when it, you know the press conferences cross the line and you know the, the the shit talking kind of goes beyond that but Khabib and Connor their whole rivalry bring so many eyes to the sport the fight after the fight bring eyes to the sport so you know it, it is what it is I guess uh, all publicity is good publicity when it comes down to it exactly like I mean I got into MMA when uh, I'm a very late bloomer. So for your list, so for those like who listen to your show, like I only got into MMA in 2015. So here's what happened. So I was always kind of on and off, like very, very on and off. But I only knew like three fighters back in the four fighters was Brock Lesnar, George St. Pierre, Chuck Liddell, and then John Jones when he won the belt off Shogun Mm -hmm. in 2011. And I was into hockey, huge hockey fan. Like for any, for any of uh, like for any Freya MMA, uh, for any Freya MMA guys who uh know hockey if you want to talk hockey with me you can message me on twitter or instagram yeah it goes straight over my head most of the time (laughs) and uh, what happened was um so i got i kind of like uh so after like my dad uh passed away in 2014 i kind of lost interest in hockey and uh, i had interest but like what happened was that was the dc john jones one press conference where it's like the hey pussy you still there Mm -hmm. i wish they let me live next door to you so i could just spit in your face and and that's when I was like, oh, I kind of like John Jones now. Cause like, I, cause I like art. I like when I watch John Jones fight, it's like watching like Kobe Bryant, sh- like set up a play. It's like watching Michael Jordan, like just dominate. That's what I, I how I look at John Jones and you know, mm-hmm. it's the Fraser Ali of our generation, that rivalry. And then, then I watched UFC 189 six months, seven months later. And then that's when I really got into the sport. And then I would say it's UFC 194 because I watched that fight. Not because of the Al, it wasn't because of the Aldo Connor knockout only that it got me. You said, okay, this is my sport now. It was the rock cold Chris Weidman fight. And I think that's a middleweight title fight that as it gets older with time, people appreciate it more because that it was the first time there was no some there was no Anderson Silva fighting this guy. It was Chris Weidman yeah. fighting Luke Rockhold, the former strike force champion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, people can always come up with the what ifs kind of thing with, with, with the UFC. Like we were saying, what if John Jones and DC didn't exist? Where would Gus be? And it would, it would be the kind of thing of what if Anderson Silva didn't clown around and play City and get knocked out by Chris Weidman? And what if he didn't break his leg on the on the, the second one kind of thing? So it's what ifs with the MMA is crazy. So many. What if Jorge Masvidal took the fight more in advance with uh, Kamaru Usman instead of a week's notice? Would it be much different? I mean, some say no, but I think if he had a proper training camp, I see Jorge, he has a chance at an upset, man, you know, and that's mm. another guy that I really love watching. I mean, I know you're, you try to be unbiased and, you know, so do I, but I have my biases. Like, I'm going to be honest. Like, I love my, I have my favorites that I love to watch, like the Musasis, the, the Wonder Boys, the Connors. Mm-hmm. The Izzy Adesanya's. Eh, I like Izzy, but I think Izzy's kind of gone off the rails a bit lately. So that's why I kind of like yeah. I like Herman, the guys like Hermanson and Till. I wish they would have fought, man. I, I that would have been mm-hmm. such a good fight for European MMA. That really would have been. It really would have been. I'm hoping that it can be revisited um, if if Till doesn't go up in weight. I've heard some rumors about that as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
there's, there's a lot of fighters. I mean, what would have happened if Leon Edwards fought Jorge Masvidal directly after the incidents of, you know, the, the free piece and the soda kind of thing? It's the whole landscape of MMA can change in, in the flick of a switch, in one knockout, in one submission kind of thing. So I guess that's what's exciting about the sport as well. That's what I love it because there's so many intangibles, so many storylines can be made. You know, you have a guy like Dana, whether you love him or hate him, Dana White has done so much for the sport and I don't see him leaving anytime soon. I mean, Mm -hmm. if I see a successor and this is like just my hypothesis, what I think he would do is there wouldn't be like, there'd be one promoter. I think it would be DC, but I think Dana would help set him up very well. Like I think Dana would really help give him the right people. And what I think I would do is like, I don't know, like if you follow soccer at all, like when they do what, or when you look at basketball, they do what's called like drafting where they draft amateurs. Mm -hmm. What I would do is I would get like guys like say Rashad Evans, Michael Bisping. And uh, yeah, those are the two I think of at the moment. Cause like scouts kind of thing. Yeah. Cause they could scout town and look at Rashad Evans. He's the one that found John Jones. He found mm-hmm. Kamara Usman. He found Israel Adesanya. That's 3-0, and man. 3-0. Three, three and o. So the guy mm-hmm. knows what it, something about finding talent and getting stars. So I think Rashad Evans should be like someone like a scout to really get, scout out talent in America. And Michael Bisping, being a champion, the example of perseverance, hard work, mm-hmm. should be in charge of like Europe. But more central, like London, France, Germany, maybe Holland, like, and then someone like Gustafsson would be in charge of Northern Europe because Northern Europe, you need to really, I think you need to have a very specific eye for finding those guys. Cause you said like mm-hmm. some of them, like they come up and then they disappear, but we need a guy like Gustafsson to help tell them, look, you lost a fight. It's not the end, like to give up. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you got to keep uh, going. But thankfully we have great sites like Tapology. Shout out to Tapology on that one as well, that we have uh, regional ra- rankings like, uh, I know if you click on the Nordic region on Tapology, you'll you'll see us for MMA because uh, we are we are covering that region kind of thing. And um, but yeah, I mean, uh, my idea would be if obviously if they, if Dana White uh, stepped down, there will have to be a X fighter in the position. I'm not really sure who it would be yet. I would also say that DC can be a bit biased towards his team and uh, and things like that. Yeah. Um, but other than scouts, I would say that they should invest in buying smaller promotions in each region so that there would be a, a, a smaller UFC promotion in, in Scandinavia and a smaller UFC promotion in Asia and a smaller UFC promotion in the UK. Like, I guess Cage Warriors kind of is already. So that thing of instead of this Dana White contender series, which, you know, one fight gives you the opportunity to get a contract you should, it should then instead be maybe tournament-based. It should be the champions of these, of these promotions will then go up to fight in the big league kind of thing. So then yeah. for UFC to, to be the global MMA, obviously aside from Bellator and PFL and things like that, but if specifically speaking about UFC, to then have regional promotions under the UFC's radar. I like that because did you did you read the Sure Dog article about how how M how Russia became such a dominant player in MMA? There was a whole story about it. It was like they bought M1 Global, UFC bought M1 Global, and they gave like a, a pipeline for them to get the Russian fighters into the UFC slowly. And M1 was under, I know M1 was under some. They had to really rebuild their brand. They had to really rebuild like their whole like roster because. 
there was a lot of things that happened before the whole like when back in the days when there was like affliction there was strike force mm-hmm. there was like elite xe and then they're like it's like somebody like they got hammered like with like bad deals and whatnot and so they had to really rebuild and and then king mo uh king mo said that uh there's going to be the next hot spot for ufc fighters is going to be in either cuba or dagestan russia and dagestan mm-hmm. he's like is that unknown area where you see a guy like habib come out of and yeah look he's he's proven right like m1 has given it and now Khabib buying gorilla fight in uh equals mma kind equals, of yeah so i think that's the strategy i think that they're trying to do they really want to get that pipeline in there both men and women from that part of the world I think mm-hmm. Habib is going to get very good scouts. I think he's staying retired, if you ask me. I think he, he will be. I don't think he's going to fight. I think he's sticking to his word. And I think he's going to enjoy life, you know, owning a promotion or two and just scouting talent, you know, because he knows what it's like to get there. And it's, um, it's just an interesting time right now. And that's what I think is. And I like what you're saying there. Get a tournament going. Buy the smaller promotions. And don't just do the contender series where they have all the pressure because then they might look really good on a contender series, but then they might, Mm -hmm. it's a different outcome when they start competing on actual cards. What's, uh, what's your, what's your take on Anthony Pettis going on to uh, PFL? Cause that was some big news recently. Um, I understand it. I understand it. I, I feel like obviously he won't be climbing up and getting another shot. I think, I think he kind of realized that, um, I don't have anything uh, bad to say about Anthony Pettis, but I don't think that's the idea that UFC is going towards, you know, him getting another shot at the title. So I think it's a good move for him. Um, I did think he was going over to Bellator. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I think it's a good move. It's, you know, maybe his, his retirement plan of going in and winning a million dollars and then sailing off to the sun- into the sunset. But who knows, man? Who knows? I mean, I would have loved to see him with Sergio because they're very, very close. And I know Sergio was making money. And I know there was like even like another rumor that um, that I, it was like, it's not, I, I don't know how true it is because you never know. Things can be, there's a lot of things that like he said, she said in MMA, especially. But like I was hearing like some of the Rufus guys are going to let their contracts run out. And then, you know, when the roster, they don't get cut, they just run the contract, then they go off to other promotions, except for, say, Paul Felder, because he's such a staple on the Contender Series. And, mm. But it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of Rufus guys go off, because I think, you know, they want to, like, try to get those paydays before they all write off, like Woodley. I mean, let's be honest, I don't think Woodley's getting a title shot anytime soon. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys that has kind of backed himself into a corner through his way of kind of trash talking and things like that. Um, but you know that's that's the way that this this sport can sometimes be. I mean, the, I, the Scandinavian fans they can be the most passionate and greatest fans in the world. But uh, if you lose, then they can switch on you very very quickly. They let you know. They let you yeah. Know, they, right? they let you know, uh, telling you what you should have done from their sofa kind of thing. And oh no, it, it's kind of a bit messy like that. Uh, you know, those who don't do that, then uh, shout out to you. I mean, there's a lot of fi- a lot of fighters that do lose fights and then go onto social media and say like, you know, the people that did kind of message me when I win, it was like in the in the hundreds of thousands or in the tens of thousands, and then when I lose, there's like ten messages being like, you know, stick your head up, you know, like you'll you'll get back in there kind of thing. Yeah, that's a bit sad when it comes to the sport. I mean, fans should be fans. 
win or lose. It's like because there's the man the and there's the man in the arena quote by quote by Teddy Roosevelt. Like whether you like it's about the man who actually steps in the arena to actually mm-hmm. say because everyone says they want to they want you know as Dana White said everyone wants to be a fighter but being a fighter isn't about signing autographs, banging broads, drinking drinking alcohol. It's it's more than that. And you know it yeah. was true. Anyone so. that hasn't seen that searching on YouTube. Dana White punking the 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 cast of uh, the Ultimate Fighter. Check that out seriously. Oh, it was amazing! It was it was amazing. Um, so KSW is another European promotion that's more like it's kind of it's not Northern Europe Europe. But are there like some Scandinavian guys that are going to be competing in there too? Because KSW is now one of the premier promos mm-hmm. as well. Uh, so from what I know that of, there is uh, one guy who is from my town. Called uh, Alexander Gustafsson, oh, Alexander Gustafsson, sorry, Andreas Gustafsson. Oh, no um, relation, probably. Not no relation. Uh, he he prefers to go under the name, uh, the fight name Bane. Mm-hmm. So we, his nickname is BG in the club kind of thing. Um, he is also he he's he's fought on the undercard of Cage Warriors. He's fought on the regional scenes here. Um, amazing guy. He looks like a beast. He fits into KSW very well. Fights with the whole skinhead and tattoos kind of thing, like the, like the Polish fans like. Um, so I think he's had one fight there already, and I think uh, he has signed a a multi fight contract for them. So keep your eye out for Andreas Gustafsson. Okay, Andreas. Andreas Bain Gustafsson. Exactly. I like that. He's probably going to show up with the mask because KSW they're known for their spectacle, like kind of like mm-hmm. that Attitude Era Pride FC days and. Like the guy, uh, Mahmoud Kadilov, once drove in on a Porsche, like to, to end mm-hmm. his entrance. And it's like, so KSW is doing some pretty rad stuff. Like I, I once tra- I once um, went to, uh, do you, have you heard of the welterweight champion, Roberto Robocop Soldic? Uh, it doesn't ring a bell at the moment. Okay, so he's like their welterweight champion in KSW uh-huh. right now. He's from Croatia, but he fights there. And I was asking him one time when I met him, because he was training in Montreal uh, to get ready to fight um Marius Zeromskis before the mm-hmm. COVID pandemic. And uh, I'm like, what's it like fighting under KSW? And, you know, those, those, they, we all think that if you come to the UFC, it's the be all end all. Cause you'll get, if you win, you'll get the sponsorships, but Europe too, man. I mean, you know, some of these guys make a career out of there and they're getting paid very handsomely, sometimes even mm-hmm. better. Like, is that, the, is that actually myth or is that actually fact too? Cause I do believe it, but it depends on the fighter. I think that is actually a fact. I mean, there there is some promotions that you go into with the goal of getting seen by these bigger promotions like PFL, Bellator, uh, Cage Warriors, UFC. Um, but another one to look out for from the European scene is uh, Fen, F-E-N, from, from Poland. Also a massive promotion. Um, yeah, KSW, uh We've got a lot, and, and also now we have struck the deal. Uh, my hometown promotion of Fight Club Rush, which is going to be uh, being shown on Fight Pass uh, very soon. I think the um, first time they're going to be on there is in March, so keep your eye out for that as well. Then you're going to see some rising stars coming out of not only Sweden but Scandinavia. That's amazing, like Denmark, Iceland. Uh, Den- yeah, Denmark, Iceland, Norway, Sweden, yeah, Finland. Let, let's, let's talk a bit about Iceland as well because... Oh, yeah, Iceland, we almost forgot it. I, I, sorry, people in Iceland. <laughs> I keep I, for, Iceland I, is a crazy one. Iceland, Iceland has some 
complete warriors. I mean, if you think of Icelandic MMA, you think of, of Gunnar Nelson. Uh, and him and his family really have paved the way in a lot of European MMA. If you, if you don't know the history there, you can probably look that up. Um, but there are some great fighters coming out of Iceland. You've got to think that Iceland, that, that small nation with probably one MMA gym, is going to be making a lot of noise like very soon. It's crazy. Uh, Iceland, is, Iceland is definitely one country that I've been really wanting that like, it's like, I'm, I, I forget it's in Scandinavia because it's kind of like the border between Europe and North America. When you think of it, it's kind of that border country, but yeah, I mean, Gunnar Nelson, you know, BJJ wizard. And, you know, it's unfortunate now, like where he's at in his career, but before mm -hmm. he was a killer, like he wasn't just seen as Connor's old training partner. Like he was a legitimate welterweight fighter, but met Damian Maya. And we all know how that goes when you get into the cage with that tarantula. Mm -hmm. And uh, good announcement as well. Such a fan favorite. People just were magnetized to him. I mean, not a guy that says much and obviously goes into the cage with a stone face kind of look, but people seem to love that. Um, but yeah, that, that's a lot of, a lot of talent coming out of Iceland. So uh, a little kind of hint, hint, wink, wink, check out Fight Club Rush on the next show. You'll be seeing some great Icelandic talent there. There's, there's also Finland too. Like, you know, you said there's a guy, uh, who's the guy that you sent me? He's like, he's, he's like, he's got an English name, but he fights in Finland and he's a. Uh, oh yeah. Ed, Edward Walls. Edward Wolves, yeah, like I love what I love about these Scandinavian countries. These guys, they're not born there, but they're adopted by the country. And that's mm -hmm. something Represent. that, like, I. Yeah. Yeah, definitely representing. I mean, it's like that. I mean, look at Reza Madadi. You would have think, seeing his name, that uh, he's representing, you know, Swedish MMA when he's, when he's going out there and fighting. Look at Hamza Chimaev also. You wouldn't think that he's representing Swedish MMA when you kind of look at the name, but. These guys have definitely, you know, found the Swedish MMA community and, uh, and the family of it. And, and it's now kind of pushing the name out there as well. How is uh, Hamzat's following in Sweden right now? Because in North America, it's huge because it's... So, so, yeah, if, we, if we're going to go, go into that, yes, um, it, it is huge. Um, I, I've seen recently because he, he's gone over to Russia. I think for for some press and, and stuff like that. And when he got off the plane, it was flags, it was crowds, it was people taking photos of him. He could barely get out the airport. He he is the new superstar in in MMA. And um, I I knew that this topic was going to come up. And I obviously I have been trying to get him on my show as well. Uh, but speaking to his his main training partner which may I add is a heavyweight. Is it the, the Georgian best... guy? Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, the people's champ, Irman's Magic. Um, so I don't know of many welterweight slash middleweights that spar and train with heavyweights that go in the gym and one of his routines is to just lift this guy over and over again. Uh, but yeah, Irman's Magic has said that uh, Hamza Chimaev outside of the gym is just the sweetest, nicest guy. The guy that will take off his, his jacket and give it to you if you're cold kind of thing. But when in the gym, never says no. You're sparring that guy. Okay. You're doing 100 uh, deadlifts with this heavyweight on your back. Okay. 
it's just he, when he's in the gym, he sees everything as a competition and he shows it, both his trainers and his fellow uh, gym members that everyone can do it. We can all do this and let's, let's just get through the training with no complaints and get it done. Yeah. I think that mentality is, is, is what's going to bring him far. I think he's going to be, I think eventually what we're going to see happen is I think Kamaru is just going to, this is just my hypothesis. So I have a lot of hypotheses. I think Kamaru is going to dominate the welterweight division, but eventually he's going to get bored. And you know what, Izzy, I think what they're going to do, I do think that John Jones fight's going to happen with Israel Adesanya. Dana mm-hmm. wants it. They're going to throw the money bags at both of them. So I think what we're going to see is, uh, Izzy's going to go up to 205 to get that super fight. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see Kamaru move up to middleweight because I think Kamaru could even compete at middleweight. He's going to vacate the title because I think after the whole super fight era of like champ, champ, they kind of want to like keep the belts going. And, you know, mm-hmm. I see Hamza winning the, the 170. I don't see that many people giving him problems. I mean, he's a very mentally strong guy. As you said, everything's a competition in the gym and in the cage. So I see Hamza as a future uh, welterweight champion. Yeah, I mean, if you look at his physique and you, and you compare him to the the middleweights of like your Romero or you know things like that, you would think that it would have really worked. But he's he's got freak strength. He's got freak strength. He really does. And uh, speaking of like you know going back in the in the days and analyzing fights and everything like that, I was live at his second pro fight. I was there like in the building. Just seeing the guy walk in, I was like, there's something special about this. There's something special about this guy. It's like that Connor, it's like that Connor effect, right? Yeah, this this was even before he went uh, to the to the Middle East and competed there. Just seeing him fight, you would think, yeah, okay, this is this is something special. And and I'm I'm like it's great that he's he's getting these opportunities and I hope it doesn't go too fast like it like it can with some fighters, but Looking forward to seeing him uh, back in the cage soon. Me too. I hope that Leon Edwards fight actually happens. Like the new Tony Khabib fight already. Yeah. It's like we already have the sequel for it. Um, another another uh, fight that I wanted to ask you about is, oh my gosh, I had it at the tip of my tongue and it's, I almost forgot. But it has to do with, uh, what was it? Oh, yes, because you said something special about Hamzat. Alex Pereira, the one that beat Israel Adesanya in kickboxing, is now making his way in MMA. But mm-hmm. everyone's saying, oh, this is the guy that's going to beat Stylebender. I don't think so. In MMA, it's different. I mean, you know, there's levels to this. And mm-hmm. yes, he has knockout power. He knocked the guy out in like 145 seconds. But who's he fighting in Brave? Who's he fighting in these other promotions that are yeah, like... exactly. So I'm, I wanted to ask you, like, do you think Pereira is another one when he comes in eventually? Do you think it's too little, too late? Because he's 35... You don't want to say never, but it's like you look at what he's been specialized in and now he's only coming into MMA. Well, I'm sure that the UFC will promote the shit out of it. If, if, you know, they, they love uh, bringing up old videotapes of people getting knocked out and, you know, dollies going through windows and stuff like that just to heat up the, the whole fan interaction kind of thing. Um, and obviously anything can happen in MMA, but uh, I guess the history does speak for itself, but it is also history. So in what, what year did he beat Adesanya? How long ago was it? 2017 in kickboxing. 2017 in kickboxing. So a lot of things could differ. And if, if, if it, Adesanya has been training MMA for how long compared to, compared to this guy? So it's like, 
anything can happen, but uh, if that's the fight to make, it's definitely not his first fight coming in. If he's got, if he's just got to jump to the UFC, um, he's gonna to have to go up to the, the rankings like everyone else, I guess. Is he did it? Fought Rob Wilkinson, then he he fought uh, Marvin Vittori, then he fought uh, Brad Tavares, starched Derek Brunson like it was no one's business, beaten over the hill Anderson. But you know what? That was an iconic fight just to help really get Izzy's profile going. I think Kelvin Gastelum is the only one that really gives Israel a hard time. I mean, more people are going to probably look at the game plan of how to fight Izzy, but I don't see a Paulo Costa rematch happening anytime soon. Just the way Costa was schooled and embarrassed. I think this, the, the, I believe the, the game plan on Costa is just take him apart, pick him apart. Yeah. He pressures you, but just pick him apart. Cause eventually the, eventually the, the knight in armor is going to have his cracks. And then with the cracks come the collapse. Well, we've got to see how he comes off of his, defeat like the next fight is always you know when when your O leaves and then you get onto that next fight is, is when you're really going to see something so i guess yeah give give cost to someone in the top 10 see how that works out if he dominates sure why not why not uh, go up there for a title but if not i mean i guess the kind of the book is already out because i mean uriah hall was sort of winning but Uriah is going to be Uriah and have his mental collapse because that, that's one that, that really puzzles me. All the talent in the world, that guy was billed as the next big thing for middleweight with his amazing kickboxing record, his amazing, mm-hmm. like, that knockout on, the, on tough. What do you think happened with Uriah that led him to be like, because I know you're, you're a fan of Uriah and, you know, yeah. I, I, I want to be a fan too. But it's just like the way it's like he does good, and then it's like he's like he's like it's like oh no, it's like it's gonna be back down to square one for him. Well, uh, I know that you know my kind of uh, idea of what he would do. You know, I don't know if he's a big fan of this show and he's gonna listen. <laughs> to, um, but you know, I, I, I'm not I, I'm not the wizard here. But I would say that he just needs to find. Find his zen, which I feel like he's he, he's been trying for for a long time. Um, to find his kind of, you know, I'm okay with how I am and how I'm okay with with doing this. Um, but on the other hand, when when your boss says such negative comments about your win against Anderson Silva in Anderson Silva's final fight, kind of thing, that must be a bummer. And I can understand Uriah Hall just saying all right, screw you and moving to another promotion, to be honest. I, I can see that happening. Um, and if he does, then, you know, I'm sure he would do very well in other promotions. I'm sure he's, he'll do well in other sports if he chooses to do that. Um, but he, he just needs to find that piece that's missing because when that piece is there, he seems unstoppable. He's done very well at Fortis MMA. I mean, Fortis has done really well. Like it was guys like him, Eric Anders. How do you say her name? Bia Maliki? Uh, Bia Maliki, yes. Yeah, she's another one that's also from Scandinavia. Like, uh, do you do you see? Do you have high hope? Do you see big things for her? Is she kind of like still finding her way? There was a thing with her that kind of coming off of the Ultimate Fighter. She was on the same Ultimate Fighter that uh, Pani Kianzad was there on, and the. The truth is in the pudding there that the Pani Kianzad that has gone through Invicta 
that has fought a spirit challenge that has, you know, she was ready for her, her UFC kind of push up, even though she didn't win the ultimate fighter. And then they chose Bia Maleki to go in with, with a record of like, I think it was like one and oh, or like barely any pro fights that kind of wrapped me up the wrong way of, you know, is, you know, what the, what was the UFC looking for coming into this kind of thing? Um, but she has also surprised me and she has, Bimaleki has gone on a roll. Pani Kianzad is now in the UFC, which I'm super happy about that as well, is what she deserves. And, um, but Bimaleki, I'm not sure. I haven't, I haven't seen enough. I haven't seen enough to, to, to give a pinpoint or to give a statement on where she's going to be ending up. Um, but I hope she gets a fight soon and I hope we get to see her in the cage again. I hope so too, because I mean, like, look, she looks great, very tall. She's got that striker's that striker body that, like, that mm-hmm. does very well. But it's like, it's like as mentioned, you know, I look at it as it's kind of like a bit of a Paige Van Zant, where it's like, yeah, she's she's very good looking, but it's like, let's see you fight, you know, let's see what you were brought in for. I get it. Like, you can be marketable, showing like, look, she can be in marketable, saying, look, she's attractive and she can really whoop ass. And, but I think Penny too can be very marketable as well because Penny's got like she looks like she has a very beautiful personality and it's like and as you said look at all the accomplishments and that's someone that's she's now in the top 10 basically and you know she's yeah. really worked her way up and I think when Amanda Nunes leaves Bantamweight's open man it's open season for that Bantamweight belt so I think she can be a really good contender and then eventually make it to champion because she's got the background she's her grappling has gotten very good being a striker so I really hope, you know, Panny succeeds because that'd be really good. Very nice story she has as well. Yeah, and uh, if you listen back to, to my podcast with her from, from prior, she, she was saying almost that like when the UFC said no after the Ultimate Fighter, she was questioning if she should be doing it anymore. So that she kind of picked herself up. She had one fight in Superior Challenge, which is, which is a promotion here in Sweden, and then got the call again from, from the UFC and has now been putting on amazing fights, win or lose kind of thing. Um, yeah, it, it's a great story of, you know, even if you're told no, get back up and keep doing what you're doing. Um, and then when it comes to Amanda Nunes, I hate to never say never, but I, I, I don't know what to throw at Amanda Nunes. So she, she just seems, she seems, she is the GOAT at the moment. She is the GOAT. I mean, number one like women's pound for pound for sure i I can't see what computer i agree no no like she's like she's mike tyson of she's the mike tyson of women's mma like you know it's just throw her to the lot throw them to the lioness she's gonna just chew them up and spit out the bones and it's like okay who's next and i mean maybe look maybe megan anderson can give her trouble i don't know because megan anderson is extremely tall and, you know, that could probably pose some challenges. But, I mean, look, Felicia Spencer was pretty, like, pretty built. And Nunes had zero. It was basically like watching Tito Ortiz beat up Vladimir Matyushenko. Like, where, the, where Matyushenko was, like, just taking the beating. And, you know, that's what happened with Felicia Spencer. Who Credit to her. It's not easy to come out and say and still look amazing after uh, Amanda Nunes puts a beating on you. But it says a lot about that girl, man. Felicia Spencer is also another one. But... Will they keep the featherweight women's division? That's the big question because, you know, I, I, I could see them keeping the men's flyweight, but look at women's featherweight. They built that division for Chris Cyborg when she came, but then mm-hmm. look at how acrimonious her leaving was. Yeah, it was the Cyborg division to start with, but now now look at it. Um, 
I, I think they should keep the, the, the featherweight division. Uh, I, I can ask you this question. I, I've asked this with a lot of, a lot of female guests and, and also a lot of promoters as well. Um, what's your thoughts about women's MMA? And also, do you think that the UFC will one day put on an exclusive women's only pod? Because they do that with men all the time. Um, I think women's MMA is amazing for the sport because look at how look at how look at how pivotal Ronda Rousey was, and I believe it has its place in sports. I really believe it does. And do I think there's going to be a women's only card? Part of me says yes, but part of me says no because it depends. Like how marketable are these women athletes? Like the only marketable athletes are the Amanda Nunes's were the Ronda Rousey. Now Valentina Shevchenko is becoming marketable because she's speaking more and, you know, everyone's realizing, oh, you know what? Valentina's like a female GSP with her martial arts background and her personality. But it, so it really depends, like, you know, and then, but because other people look at, like, I mean, Joanna lost a lot of fans after how she conducted herself versus uh, Rose the first time. Uh, Thug Rose has kind of disappeared since, you know, she's kind of like being her, living out of the limelight. Mm-hmm. <sighs> The other ones, it's like, you're only a fan. I think you're only a fan, really, if you really follow the sport in detail. But then sometimes the other people look at these female fighters that are the good-looking ones as eye candy. So I, I want to say yes. You have to really use all the stars. But part mm-hmm. of me says it really depends on Dana because Dana is, is a money guy. So he wants to see, will this bring in revenue? So well, well, then listen, Dana, if you're watching this podcast, International Women's Day, the week of that, do it. I think that would be great. On. That March fourth, right? March March fourth. Did I get the day right? I don't know. It's always in March. It's always in March, though. Yeah. yeah. International Women's Day. Yeah, I think that's when you should do that. I think that you know what? I think we should present that idea to Dana. That'd be amazing. Yeah. yeah let's do Dana, that. Like, send it to Dana. Yeah. Well, Give him the link. Yeah. Yeah. If I can, I mean, like, we all know how he feels about the media, especially after that tyrant, that tirade he went on, like, mm-hmm. just like tragedy. But you know what? There's some media out there that you know that really like like piss me the fuck off and you know like i'm not afraid to call a spade a spade like uh, there's like this one uh like there's this one journalist one time um that uh like this is another thing i want to talk to you about too because some of these journalists like with their agendas like whether like you know their social justice or whatnot and like just the way they come off on fans it's like it's like it's like you're you're a real piece of shit like you only have a job you really have a job thanks to dana you can shit on them all you want but don't bite the hand that feeds you you don't have to agree with everything dana does but you know what it's like look dana is like giving you guys like a like a, like a, a chance to like report the sport basically and you know there was this one like where i'll never forget it like uh we were trying to message like i was messaging her like one time and she said like she's from canada i'm not going to give her name because i know how these people are they they don't everyone's googling a canadian female reporter like (laughs) she literally told me she literally told me and i'm quoting here you're you're gonna want it you're gonna want you're gonna want to like try heroin after this probably I'm, i'm exaggerating it's a bad joke but george saint pierre is not in my goat list because of how he conducted himself with the Johnny Hendricks fight, because it was a bit suspicious that he might have taken something. I don't want to yell in the microphone, but I just want to, I'm having like a Lewis Black moment. You know, the comedian Lewis Black, where he just loses his mind having an aneurysm. I'm just like, what? Like, 
can, can you come again? Are you like normal? <laughs> and she would just like shame people for, she, she'd shame people who are John Jones fans. It's like, you know what? It's like, I'm a John Jones fan, but you know, maybe I should shame you for being such, for being such a, being such a little immature bitch. Cause if you're really, uh, and I don't mean that bitch, like he's like, she was a bitch how she came off to me. And I'm not afraid to mm-hmm. say how I feel like, like, you get so mad when we say why we like why like for example when john jones tested positive had that little picogram issue and people were like retweeting when he told off that journalist calling her fake news she's like shame on everybody who retweets this and promotes john jones behavior and it's like guys it's like, and then like i retweeted it so i said okay i guess i'm a deplorable huh because i retweeted it she's like i guess so and i said well i said i guess you're an immature I guess you're an immature, uh, I guess you're an immature journalist who gets triggered by everything easily. And if you really were covering the sport, you'd have an unbiased and have a thicker skin to not let mm. these things get to you. And yeah. uh, there, there is so little people that are actually um, educated to be judges yeah. and actually can be judges, but everyone is a judge. Yeah. That, that's how it is. That's, that, that's the life that we're living in right Let, now. Uh, I'll be honest. I could have handled myself better there because I'll be honest. Like, mm-hmm. look, I'm a, but you know what? Like, I just don't like people. Like for me, I'm a very, it's a very two-way street with me. Like if you're cool with me, like if you're very nice with me and you're taking time to answer me and I get it, social media is the worst place to communicate, but just the way like you use the wording, the way you sound. And it's like, mm-hmm. you, you gotta, if you want credibility and respect, be nice to others, whether you don't agree with them or not. And don't mm-hmm. shame people if they retweet someone. Or like, she was even like saying, like anyone who retweets the Connor giving Habib a drink comment, shame on you, because Habib's a devout Muslim. It's like, mm-hmm. it, it was good entertainment. Like, you know, we're not, not all of us are bigoted. Habib can handle himself kind of thing. Like, Yeah. You don't need, yeah. he doesn't need defenders, but yeah. But you know what? I, I don't want to end it on a negative note here, but you are right. You know, like, it's people, some people just shouldn't, everyone's a judge, but some people just should not be in this game. If you can't handle the criticism from everybody, if you're reporting something that they don't agree with, like, you got to be like, okay, I get it. You know? So. Yeah. It's like a lot of, a lot of, uh, our, 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 the people that follow us, I, you know, like I said, I don't really like to use the words follow us. Me neither. For mine. The, 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 the people that are with us and, and the people that message me, they ask me a lot of the time, like, Oh, why don't why don't you put up you know UFC results for example? I'm like, man, that that you can find everywhere. You can find that everywhere. I kind of think you open up your your Instagram and you already see a result. So why why should I also report it just to get your like kind of thing? Um, and and then there are also the 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 media sites that are the kickbait the kickbait kings like. The, I hate using clickbait. I'm not going to put up, you know, Connor said what to Dana White and then you open it up and it's Connor said hello to Dana White kind of thing just just to get your click. So that that stuff super annoys me as well. So when there is news, you'll see it pop up on Frame's Instagram in full. Like you don't have to click a link. I'm going to give you what you need. Like I'm not going to take time out of your day to read an article and at that end be like not kind of thing. Like it's just stupid it's just stupid it really is no i totally agree you gotta you really want to give good value and that's what i try to focus on too like and i don't like using my followers it's like it's it's like it's really a lifestyle you know when when you watch my show it's like okay cool i really appreciate this so Mm -hmm. that's why man but um 
what is, so let me ask you this to end this before we end, what are some fights that you're really excited for? So one we're going to use in Scandinavia. So we're going to mm-hmm. do one where you're from in that region. And then the other one is in profession in like the North American pro MMA. So let's do that. I, I want to know what are your two fights that you're really excited for in 2021? Mm, that's a hard one. Uh, fights right now, we, we don't have anything signed and sealed. Uh, or, or it's probably signed and sealed, but there's nothing that's been officially released. But like I said, Fight Club Rush, that's got to be on UFC Fight Pass. Mm-hmm. I know that their goal is to promote the best of Scandinavian MMA. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, some promoters in, in, in certain countries, not, not only in Sweden, but in, you know, we can also say in like smaller promotions, they do a thing of, you know, putting their fighter that is probably like, let's say, 5-0 and against a has been washed up MMA fighter that's not won a fight in like six years just to promote them. And uh, I like that right now in Sweden, we've, we've come to the point where let's just put on the best technical fights where you don't know who's going to win because that's what is, is exciting. So Fight Club Rush, that, that'll be one of my answers. So there's not really any bouts uh, for that yet. Um, I'm quite excited for for Israel Adesanya versus Jan Blahovic, to be honest. Um, I'm not sure how that one's going to go. Um, but if that fight is completely official, then I'll say that one. I have to agree with you on that one, too. That's the one that really excites me because it's like he's going up and he, you know he's it's champ versus champ basically without the mm-hmm. ultimate fighter like we're doing this right away let's get it going Izzy wants it and i think if Izzy wins i think there's there's the room for that john jones super fight and i think i cannot wait to see them on the microphone together i cannot wait face to face because you know Izzy said famously he's like you know i'm pretty tall too john thinks i'm small but i'm really tall when you see me in person they're the same mm-hmm. height actually just is he skinny I'm not going to lie, though. I mean, Izzy, don't wake the beast up in John Jones because he made a comment about John's late mom. And, you know, that's one thing you don't do with Mrs. Jones because we all know how John was close to his mom, right? Yeah. Uh, But one thing that I've really, like, of course, it's good for business and it's good to to say, but I'm not really a fan of the double champ thing because it it, it is completely destroying one division. So I would prefer if Izzy drops the middleweight title to fight Jan Blahovic. And then if he wins, he's a light heavyweight champ. If he loses, then he goes, maybe goes down to middleweight again and fights for that. Sure. But what I'm kind of seeing the ball rolling towards is Dana White's idea of a triple champ. So if Izzy beats Jan Blahovic and then uh, John Jones beats Stipe, for those two to then fight for quoting Connor all the belts like I, I don't want to see that I don't want to see that that's yeah. messing up that's messing up the whole three whole divisions you're doing what Roy Jones did in boxing where Roy had like five different belts in like different divisions it's like yeah you're ruining the division but I'm excited man well for me it would have to be John Jones going to heavyweight let's finally see how is the man going to do at heavyweight and you know mm-hmm. it's it's so good to see that him and Dana are on talking terms again. That's my fight to see. I want to see, because I think what's going to happen is in April, you're going to have Francis Stipe. And then come International Fight Week, John Jones is going to do that I'm back. 
like MJ, like I'm back. And it's going to be like, everyone's going to be like, and I think he's going to, it's going to be y'all must have forgot basically. Yeah. yeah. But the one thing also I'm not really a fan of is, is people jumping straight into title fights. So it yeah. would be good to see John Jones fight a top contender at, at, at heavyweight before, for that maybe round the year off with a title fight, if he gets that win kind of thing. Um, you know, then, then we have uh, Connor and Dustin. I'm sure that's going to be quite an exciting fight. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff to look forward to in 2021, oh, including yeah. going, getting to go outside and doing normal things. <laughs> that too. All right, Reza. Well, I really appreciate you taking time to come on. Like, just time just flew. Like, that's what I love about yeah, yeah, doing this show. Sure. And um, where can people catch you on social media? Like, if they want to connect, like, until they really see Northern European MMA. So, so thankfully now we have everything as at Freya MMA, one word. That's Freya with a J. Everyone is kind of, you know, whenever you read it, you're like, Frejama, what the hell is that? But Freya MMA, at Freya MMA everywhere, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And uh, yeah, we're, we're coming up with new podcasts on YouTube soon. And uh, 2021 should be, should be an exciting year for all. Nice. Well, once again, man, I really appreciate this, uh, you coming on. It was great. Great way to kick off 2021, you know, with me heading and expanding the audience to Northern Europe now, because yep. it's, uh, you got to keep it open, man. And uh, I'm excited. So once again, if you ever want to come back on, doors always open. And let's do this again thank if ever much. you're down. Yeah. And uh, thank you everyone that watches and listens and make sure to follow the Drew Experience. Yeah. Drew Experience is the Drew Experience pod on Instagram. Uh, Drew Nomad 55 on uh, Instagram. I'm on Twitter too. Uh, let me just get, I'm not getting my phone out to text him. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just getting my. Oh, so <laughs> okay. I'm not good with this stuff like you. Cause like I got a full-time job, you know, I'm taking care of like uh, my mom right now as I, as we told mm. as I told you. Okay. So on Twitter, my Twitter is Drew Nomad three. Um, podcast page on, 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 uh, for Drew Spirience is a different name. It's Drew Spirience P and on IG Drew Nomad3 and Drew Spirience Pod on Instagram. There we go. Got them all in at once. <laughs> exactly. Confuse a few people. All right, man. All right. Thanks, Reza. You have yourself a good one. Thank you. Take care. You too.